Dan Collins we have next on the Ion Yarn podcast. It's great to have you here uh, joining us in this crazy time of COVID-19. Um, Dan caught up with him at his house in the Gold Coast. Dan's story is pretty amazing. He's been to four Summer Olympics. Uh, he hasn't just attended, he's also won a silver medal at the Sydney and a bronze medal in the 1996 uh, Atlanta Olympics. Um, since then, Dan has uh, been running a very successful thought leadership practice um dan collins consulting you can go on his website you can find a bunch of different information about workshops he runs he's a facilitator and a speaker it's some of the largest companies in the country including woolworths and, um so dan actually talks and gets quite vulnerable in this conversation i ask him around you know when was another time where you felt is vulnerable as a result of this COVID-19 and he talks about the time when he was fired one time by a role he played with uh, with the Brisbane Lions. He gets really vulnerable and talks around how he's a stronger person for that and also the time where in uh, Barcelona Olympics where he didn't perform as well he should have and that's really built up the strength and resilience that he's got and this comes through so strongly. If you're an athlete um, working towards uh, Tokyo Olympics it's just been delayed he talks and gives a bit of advice around you know what's going through your mind and how to keep consistent with your work ethic and how do you maintain that focus and motivation to get the results that you're uh, aspiring to do and he also talks about how he translates his elite um, athlete mentality into the business world and he goes real deep in and talks about that that he does with his executive clients without further ado here's dan collins Dan, great to have you with us on the Ion Yarn podcast. How you going? Good, mate. Good to be with you. Glad <laughs> I could help. Glad I did to have a chat to you too. It's great. So where, where are you right now? Uh, like many around the country, working from home. So uh, home for me is on the Gold Coast. So um, pretty good spot to be if you've got to work from home, I suggest. You're pretty happy with your setup. It looks like it's sunny skies over there. Yeah, it's terrific, mate. And I think the benefit for me is that I've already got an office that I work from home from. Um, so I'm, I'm used to, or we've got that set up already. But yeah. um, I think with having uh, my wife home and also to um, have a Max home, just you get kicked out of the office occasionally. So I'm outside at the moment. Oh, happy days. Well, before we get into your um, business setup and all that, which is pretty nimble for this kind of environment, I wanted to, um, you know, start off these yarns with a bit of a quote. So do you mind sharing this quote? Yeah. So mine's stolen from Bruce Lee, and I think it's really relevant for the now, which is to be like water. So, um, you know, he had some, he had so many insights around that quote, be like water, and also to being a bit of a waterman myself. I, I can really uh, associate with both, you know, water when it's still, or being on the being on a river, or being in the ocean. So, um, I, I, that's my quote. And as we explore, I'll, I'll sort of, I think we can go deeper into it. Yeah, nice. Well, that's yeah, it's very relevant to the kind of IR wheel that you've set up. Yeah. Um, where did that kind of come front of mind for you? Um, you know, move like water. Did you watch a Bruce Lee kind of video when you were a little girl? Uh, no, oh, well, I mean, I was a Bruce Lee fan when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, who wasn't? You know, like, you know, growing up in the 70s, I was growing up, like, he, he, was, he was famous in the 70s, but growing up in the 80s, Bruce, you know, everyone wanted, everyone wanted to be Bruce Lee. Yeah. So, 
uh, or certainly a Bruce Lee fan. But I think um, as you get older, you see past his skills as a, you know, an exponent of, uh, of a martial art and you more look at the realisation that the reason why he was so brilliant was because he used the martial art to train his mind. So, and one of his, you know, and, and to get deeper into mindfulness, which I've certainly concentrated on in the last 10 years of my, of my life, is you, you realise that some of the things that he talked about, did, concentrated on, came predominantly because he, was, he, he thought about things so deeply. And one of his quotes was, be like water. So, um, and, and he had so many analogies as to why we should be that way and why we should, um, so many of actions, our, our outward actions should match it. So, yeah. Because there is, I certainly have, um, I haven't probably immersed my work, uh, my study into his studies as much as, as many, but um, it's interesting you just say like in the last 10 years particularly. So mm. when you were doing your kayak and you were in the Australian team, went to three Olympics, few medals, um, did you feel like that mindfulness may have, it wasn't as, as there as, as? No, it, was it wasn't. It wasn't as prevalent. I wonder if today, if we had a got had a got slightly better results, um, had we? It, I mean, the I think when I was an athlete, I was very focused so much to the point where you become very selfish, not self-centered. I think that's different. Um, self-centered is when you're I think when you're centered and you're strong and you can be strong for others but when you're selfish you can become destructive so your needs are placed over everyone else's and I certainly as an athlete I thought I, there was big tracks of time and I was like that uh, and whether that's the nature of what you're doing because to be an athlete and to buy into competition suggests someone wins and someone loses um, but there's other ways of thinking about that. Mm. So, and I guess, you know, with that mindset, um, you've experienced it firsthand as an elite athlete at the highest level. Um, that helped you kind of, did you bring, how do you bring that into like the work when you're in the Brisbane Lions as their performance coach and things like that? Yeah, I think the, an understanding of a high performance environment, I was, you know, being, an, being going to four Olympics and, uh, stuffing one up and then being pretty good in the rest of them. I think you get an understanding over time, the elements that go into um, creating high performance, but then also to thinking what is beyond high performance. And there's this concept of excellence, this never ending growth, this never ending improvement. And that's probably the thing that I brought, that I bring to both my clients now in corporates and, um, and, and in my coaching, but also too, when I was, uh, leading sporting organisations was bringing that mind set of excellence is that we're always improving, always growing, but both on and off the park. So, or both on and off the water. So um, it means if you're an athlete, you can't just be good at, um, it, it, you know, using your athletic skills to produce victories. You've also got to be a good human, which is having difficult conversations, being, have been, have been fronted when your behaviour is not the best. Uh, but doing in doing so in an environment that is fairly, oh, I would say it's harsh athletic environment. But yeah, oh, they're, they're very they're very confronting um, athletic environments because there's the everything's everything is measured, um, everything is measured, 
So there's no wriggle room anywhere. Um, so I think for that, for that very reason, they're harsh and they are confronting. And you need to be because the, the, the tiniest things make big differences. So interesting yeah it's and i guess on that um you know on the flip side a few uh, weeks ago we interviewed jesse phillips um you know been in the olympics as well all of a sudden under the microscope of all these different people managing on a psychology on a uh, physiology level um and emotional and all the all everything in between but then all of a sudden you've got all these people around you supporting you in the institutions in swiss aas waste whatever you want um but then all of a sudden you get shot out the other end you're no longer relevant. You're not as fast as you used to be. You retired or you're forced into retirement. Yep. And then that transition comes into, holy shit, life outside of the bubble yeah. <laughs> of elite sport. So, you know, I'd love to share some, you know, hear your thoughts on that and how that's been because, you know, it's um, quite open and the AS is open about it around the athlete wellbeing systems. Like a few people have been left along the side over the journey or that transition from the age, you know, to be an Olympic athlete, you need to be committed to this from an adolescent age and all mm. the way through for a solid decade and then get thrown into the world where you may have not have had that same sort of experience and you're a bit left in the dark. So how was that for you? And, and then also I'd love to hear around how you, you know, do you do some of that with coaching as well? Yes. Well, there's a lot in there, Lockie. So I'll, I'll, I'll pull a few bits <laughs> apart. That's a, it does a lot in that. So, so firstly, I think um, to be an elite athlete is, uh, is a privilege first and foremost. So, and the reason why I say that is to be an elite athlete, you're probably 80% of the journey. And, and this is where I disagree with some people. 80% of the journey is given to you by nature. So the reason why you've had the ability to compete is because you've got something physically that nature's given you to do so. And then I think then you're, then you're amongst equals and then it all becomes mental. So it's funny. I think 80% of the journey to get to the really pointy end of being an elite athlete is I think it's, it's a huge component of it is you've been given the physical attributes to do so, right? And then you'll find yourself at a level where you're, you're amongst equals. So therefore other people have, have got about the same level of skill or level of, of physical um, attributes that nature has given them. Then it becomes all mental. Um, and that I think is, that's the bubble. That's the bubble of the elite world. You kind of, your talent gets you to, to, to a point where you then very, very elite. And in that elite area there, there is a bubble. And I don't think that's real. I don't think that's how, life works because we've set up an environment for many elite athletes where almost everything is handed to them uh, and they don't get to do a lot of the thinking they don't think about their programs of you know just recently seen that with my my young bloke it is to try and teach them to think about their sport when everything is given to them it becomes really difficult um, and so i come back to what are the things that elite sport can teach you they can teach you Oh, I think uh, resilience, they can teach you to think for yourself. They can teach you to perform under pressure. Uh, it can teach you to have to get along with people that you don't necessarily want to get along with. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and that's a huge lesson in life is because you're going to come across people that you, that you work with in a work setting that you don't necessarily like, but 
to be a professional means that you execute your skills for the betterment of the team with them, you know. So I, I think elite sport can teach you a lot if you think about the skills that it actually teaches you once you're at that elite level for the, for the, for the broader community. Um, in relation to athlete welfare and being, I mean, you see it in every code, right? You see it in every sport is that those who rely solely on their brilliance when they finish their sport, they then struggle to apply the things that they learned in their sport to life. And this is why I think that we need to challenge our athletes. Um, and, and, I, and I love the New, Zealand, I, the New Zealand rugby system and I hate it at the same time because they beat us. But um, I love the New Zealand rugby system because once they're all blacks, it is about being better blokes. You know, it's about being better people. And what does that mean is that brutal truths, fierce feedback, fierce conversations, fierce on behaviour, and then they play great footy. So... I think that's really important. There's a code you can see that they, they place this behaviour above. And if we were to teach our athletes that, then we wouldn't spit them out. We would have, they wouldn't get spat out at the other end. And if we had coaches who were good enough men and women that went hard at creating better young men and young women, then the athletic prowess, when their careers do finish, they're very well placed to be outstanding members of corporate, of well, as of other parts of our society. So, long answer, Lockie, but there was a bit no, of a question. I, I really do like that. It was a very loaded question. So, for you, um, you know, did you? Who were those people in your journey? You know, you've had you know four Olympic, um, uh, sorry, four Olympics you attended. Um, there obviously would have been a bunch of different mentors that came through in your journey. Were they all in, through coaches or were they actually mentors outside of elite sport as well? A little bit of both. So I think the man that taught us how to be elite uh, was a guy called John Samigi. Um, wow, he was amazing in dragging us, kicking and screaming to elite. You know, we didn't understand the work, the commitment, the... Um, the sacrifice that's required uh, and, and the burning off of everything. And I know you like your rights of passage, but you need to burn off everything that doesn't count and kill off everything that doesn't count in your, in your life to be that good in that, that moment in time. So, um, so he, he taught us how to do that. So from a physical and mental preparation into a really big event. Uh, so he was really important. Uh, my dad, till this day, continues to be important. Um, there was a guy uh, that both helped Andrew and I open our eyes to deep personal growth. Um, so, so a guy called Gary Pittard, who we met uh, from the real estate industry. Uh, so Gary has a real estate training industry and Andrew was interested in real estate and I got sort of... I got sucked along with that. And he, in 1993, he really opened our eyes to, hey, look, you know, there's so much to read and so much to learn about, um, you know, mindfulness and being a, a, a strong mental athlete. And he kind of opened our eyes to that. And I remember the very first tape deck. It was a tape deck at the time. It was uh, Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Zones. And he sent it and I got it sent to me and I popped it in. 
And I think it might have been probably 1992, the back end of 1992, and it was a tape deck. And I listened to every single tape about four or five times in that deck. It was absolutely outstanding as a way to kick off deep, deep personal work, you know. So, uh, and that's been my journey ever since. So like he, he was really important. So that deep personal work, like you see, you know, in today's 2020, you know, this is a good almost 30, it is 30 years since, mm. since those, you know, you got people like Tony Robinson, mm. you know, MP3 recordings, things like that. Mm. Were there any kind of people in that world who, you know, you'd encourage people to maybe tune in to kind of think about that self-development um, kind of personal development space that you'd recommend? Oh, it's, for me, it's you, you, you find if you make a commitment to doing the work, it's funny how you or it's a little it's a little weird and a little sort of karma almost how you find what you need. So, yeah, there's the, the, the Tony Robbins and Napoleon Hills. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched uh, a bit of and read a fair bit of Jordan Peterson recently. I thought he's, he's got some really interesting views. Um, so, Lockie, I think you find like my bookshelf is just covered in, you know, books and personal growth books that I've read over the years. Um, and sometimes you go back and read and look at some of the things you underline and go, I wonder why I underlined that. There's so many other good things in there. So um, I, I think you're, if you commit to the journey of deep personal growth then and, and, and deep reflection, then it is a lifelong journey. Uh, and in, in it lives wisdom, in my view. So, um, and your wisdom is a knowing of, like a, an, an understanding of yourself now, that, and then your ability to apply that. And that improves as you go, right? So, and then you find, because you're better, you find better. You find something that's more meaningful to you at that point. So, it's, it's a, it's, they're tangled together. You spiral up. Or you yeah. spiral down, you know. Totally. And, you know, to be, to say, oh, this is the one thing you've got to listen to, the right teacher will come at the, when, the, when the student's ready. Is that a Bruce Lee saying? No, I, yeah, it is a Japanese, it's, it, it is a Japanese saying. It is, it's, a yeah. samurai, it's a samurai saying, I think, is that, um, that, that when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. So, yeah. I and, 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 and I think that's it's very true, right? Is that you, if you committed to, I'm committed to excellence. I'm really committed to it. And that means that I have to look at myself, my best self, or I committed to looking at myself yesterday and my better today. And that would suggest that my journey is really different to yours. So you can't compare, but I can compare against me and I can look at, well, what's the best version of me? What does that look like? And who bloody knows, Lockie? You know, like I only know that I need to be better than I was yesterday. So what does that look like? And, and, and you test yourself and you find areas where you're weak and you find areas where you make stuff up. So then you learn about that. And why did, I, why did I bugger that up? Why did I get angry and blow up about that and have that, have that issue be, be, of, be of, 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 of great pain for me? Then I go and learn about that. And then because you've mm -hmm. learned about that, you're now better at that. You know, so you sort of... And I know it's somewhat reactive, but life is like that. You test yourself in the world and you either do well or get found out. And when you get found out, you learn. Pain's a good teacher, right? So you kind of test yourself in the world and go, right, shit, that, that went good. And you get rewarded or life kicks you in the butt and says, actually, no, that's not working. So you go back and work out why. And that's that learning that, 
that, that has for us. So reflection is a huge part of your life, and, you know, yep. so hearing that. So is that a daily process, weekly, monthly? I am always, always. So right down to microseconds, like why isn't this working? You know, is there a reason for this? What's happening here? What, what, what role have I played? And I, that's the, and I don't know if that is innate in my personality. It could be. Um, or whether I learnt that because I spent, you know, 30 years or 25 years in elite sport. Say from a 15-year-old, I was, I was wrapped up from either in rugby league right through to my last Olympics when I was in 2004 and then in, in, in involved in different elite sporting organisations for another 12 or 15 years after that. That's a learnt thing to always always be assessing. Um, I don't know, but I think it's my, it's right down to the microsecond. You know, like, well, what's not working here? Why aren't we doing this mm. well? Or what can mm. we improve? And that that's always going on in my mind. So, no. Yeah. So it's, it's on that point of reflection, it's kind of like a lot of people be listening to this podcast, mm. you know, and they, their world's getting really rattled. Like I, I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned rite of passage earlier, and what we're going through right now is almost like a global rite of passage where everyone is actually truly challenged in this yeah. moment collectively. Jeez, um, yeah. <sighs> Yeah. And um, I, I, I'd love to hear a bit of a reflection yourself. Well, obviously, very, still very fresh with mm. things that are going. You know, maybe share a little bit about what your business is and how this has impacted on your business because there's obviously a lot of your work is face-to-face. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, then I want to kind of lead into maybe, you know, when has another time where you've kind of been rattled and, uh, as you say, reflected and you've really – something hasn't worked out and you've been quite exposed to some degree? And yeah. how you've overcome that and how you're bringing that into this COVID period. Yeah, so I think um, it's a really good question, Lockie. So the, firstly, I lo- again, I love the Be Like Water. And that's why I've chosen it. And it's really my theme right through this COVID, you know, this, this coronavirus issue. It's, it's, you've just got to run with it. Um, Trimmy and I were talking the other day and, and as... As successful people, people who like to achieve, um, we go out not to def- not to to, def- to defeat something, but to overcome a challenge. Well, I kind of think, and this is not something we can overcome. It's something we sort of have to flow with, and and then work with, and bend with. Um, that's why the be like water, and and water gets, and and this is something not that Bruce Lee says, but water gets its strength from yielding. So when a water, water runs down a stream, it actually builds momentum because when it hits a hard thing, it doesn't crash into it and try and flow over it. It kind of works around it and gets quicker and quicker as it works downstream and more momentum and power behind it. Because it, when it hits something that it needs to yield with, it yields, but it keeps moving. And I think this, this coronavirus is, is that thing. Is, is we can't beat this. We need to yield with it. doesn't mean we stop moving forward, though. doesn't mean we... St- we don't improve doesn't mean we, we we can't still execute and deliver for our teammates and 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 deliver for our clients so i just think there's a way we have to do it another way for a period so um that's that yielding that's required we need to yield but we need to yield knowing that we need to keep moving keep moving forward um so the be like water thing is 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 for me it's it's a it's a great metaphor um when when we get when we get when we get tested and get found to be found out, there's a couple of ways we can think about it. It's a it's 
kind of we can look at it that at that point that we're not good enough and it becomes the end of that journey or we can go actually that's what I needed to learn like I, I needed that test to be found out because that if not if I don't know that then it won't won't strengthen me in the now so that when I get to the next test that's that's that that thing is already really strong for me so I can be tested to a higher level so you know what I, I think we've got to look at failure is the thing that strength it's an opportunity that strengthens you so when we get rattled or when things don't work like now for me is, is huge amounts of income lost um you know disconnection my, my strength is my ability to connect in a room so how the hell do i do that over uh you know on a on a video conference call it's really hard to do but it's not impossible so so you kind of go, well, okay, I've lost sources of income. I've lost uh, a way to do what I'm very good at. So learn something new, you know. So um, the being rattled, I think, is part of doing – we can't be good without it. You know, like you can't, you can't, mm. you can't, you can't be good without it. And, and – and for those people who are dealing and, 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 and leading others, then, and, and, and there's others that have, might have mindsets that at this point in time need a lot of development, then fear and uncertainty is creating some really horrible moments for us all, right? So um, all I would suggest is to think about how we, what, what are some of the things as leaders we can do to create, to, to remove some of the in intensity, you know, to remove, to remove some of the, um, the emotional intensity to moments is we can, we can focus people on what they can do as opposed to what they can't. They can remove some of the uncertainty by, by being me, me being really stable and strong, you know? So, um, mate, I hope, that kind of helps a little bit from an insight perspective around how I think about things. And yeah, yeah. I guess the next one to that was, um, you know, when was another, you know, uh, where you've obviously been challenged and really mm. um, several times in your journey today, but is there one moment that really comes to mind where you felt like, you know, there has been this forced challenge put on you where you've really had to be that water um, and you could share to everyone. Yeah, sure. There's so many. Um, probably the one that's there's, there's there's a couple of life changing ones. Like I go back to my first Olympics when I really stuffed it up. So I stuffed it up for for a whole range of reasons. But the lesson for me in that Olympics was that I needed to take deep levels of personal responsibility. It was kind of, uh, and I think that's one of the things as as athletes, but also too as emerging workers when we first our first 10 years in the workforce, say from 20 to 30, um, there's a direct correlation between personal responsibility and our ability to hit accountabilities. And your ability to hit accountabilities then leads to a path to success within your, 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 within your career. So this uh, acceptance of personal responsibility certainly was knocking on my door in 92 because I'd, I'd lacked it. I'd be, I was a bit of a victim because of a few events that went on at the Olympic Games and... Um, we performed really poorly. Um, so the lesson for me in that one was that, and, and it, was, it was, again, from a whole range of people, 
but for me it was to take that personal responsibility and look at what I can what can I do what what's what's in my control and I I love the the stoic approach for those that don't study stoicism here there's the stoic approach is very what can I control what can't I control and to let go of everything I can't and focus on my effort which I call right effort what's wrong and right effort so many of us focus on things that and put effort into things that we can't control whereas that's wrong effort because it only leads to anxiety and and uncertainty whereas if you put things into the what you can that's the right effort and that right effort leads to um, better personal management skills and better leadership skills and the other one is when I got sacked from the Brisbane Lions I thought I was doing a pretty good job um, and it and and the club certainly was you know there were some mistakes I made um, so that really rattled me because I didn't see it coming um, there wasn't a level of personal awareness and connection to um, the, the key decision makers so um, you know I did a good couple of years of work and we certainly certainly set the club on a path that I thought was right from a high performance perspective. Um, but my learnings from there is that you've, you've got to be aware of the outside world, right? You don't need to play the game, but you need to be aware of it. And when I look at what's going on around us with this coronavirus, right, it's, it would be really foolish to be naive to that. It doesn't mean you have to play the games that everyone else are playing, but you need to be really aware of what's going on. So, mm. you know, I look at, I look at you, you need to be focused, which is on what I can control, but I also need to be aware of what I can't and, and know it. So I've got this, there's this mix of the two that you've got to have. And what, the lesson that the Brisbane Lions taught me was whilst I was insular and focused on my role and I thought I was doing a pretty good job, I wasn't aware of the outside, you know, and um, that that's actually part of my, one of my IR maps is, is you've got to do focus, but you've got to do awareness. You can't play and buy into what's going on out there, but you've got to, you know, this real centeredness around, I know what I want to achieve and know what I need to do, but I need to look up and go, hey, what's, what's the world doing at the moment? You know, what's going on out there? So, yeah. and, and oh, be mate. accepting yeah. of that, you know. I love what you're saying there because it's kind of really fitting to what you, how we started our conversation around elite sport. You mm. are just so focused on 100% what your job is and you got to do that. And if you do anything else, you're not going to be in that top high performance and be in the middle, middle yeah. ranks. Whereas all of a sudden, all of a sudden in the, in the lack of a better word, but like in the real world, yeah. outside of elite sport, you know, you've got to be blinkers but you've mm. got to actually stop and pause and reflect and take the blinkers off every now and then Correct. to reassess, see where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, mate. Nailed it. Mm. Because you've, it. Got to, you've got to be aware, like this is a big thing out here. You know, that's a really, and it, it, it forces impact on us. So it's to be naive to that is foolish, but it doesn't mean we get wrapped up in it. Mm. We can't, we, we can adjust what we do, but that's a mindful choice. It's a purposeful choice. You know, my, I look at my budget for this year and I look at all the actions that I had planned prior to this. I've just scrapped them and gone out the, wind, out the window. But it's a mindful choice. It's not something that I'm going, oh, poor me. Oh, that's buggered. It's not, I don't do that. Well, actually, that's not possible in this environment. And you make 
really strong choices because you look and go, okay, this is what's going on. Um, and, 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 and that awareness, Jesus, it's vital. Wow. It's vital. It's vital for businesses to, 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 to deeply understand their environment and then, and, and, and to be able to contextualize that into new plans and new actions that they control. Love it. So I guess um, with that, I think it's a nice little segue into mm. having a bit of a chat about your, um, your recent will that you did. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm just thinking, I'm just going to get this up here. So I'm just generally what's good. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Just, uh, here we go. So I did mine. I'm showing mine on the screen. That's me. Um, and I don't know if, if you wanted to so say you've got these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven areas and you've got be like water centered code, um, code lived focused yep. and aware insight, intent and truth. And you've got like yep. little descriptions under each one. So I don't know where your, you know, your personal. I can't see yours. Mm. So this is mine. Um, have you complete? You've completed one of these yourself? Yeah, I have, Flocky. I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy to talk to each one. So yeah. So the be like water one is um, for for me that is to be able to sort of go with the flow a little bit, and but also to use and harness that that energy that that life energy to, that, that's around us so um and and to not necessarily hit things head on and that's why i think this be like be like water is really important to us in this time is because we have to bend with this it won't we can't defeat it, it won't, it's not something we can um you know we can win the battle over we have to work with it so i think it's a bit about adapting to your environment and then sort of building momentum because you've kept moving forward regardless. Um, for me, being centered is, um, is understanding there's that, that stimulus and then there's a response. And I think peacefulness lives in the middle if we handle that really well. Um, and it's something that's absolutely a life journey for me. And there's times when I'm good at it. And there's times when I really, really suck at it. So, mm. um, and, and I call that the eye of the storm. And the reason why I call it is if, if we think of a storm, there's a lot going on around us, but in the middle, it's calm. When I'm mm -hmm. centered, if I live in that peace, so I can kind of see everything that's going on around, um, but I'm calm and it, I don't get caught into, I don't get, I don't get wrapped up in, in reacting all the time. I'm very, very mindful or very centered about my responses to things. And that only comes because um, I'm, I'm sitting in that eye of the storm. So that's, that's, and that's that centered bit right in the center. You can't, mm -hmm. my code lived, I've got a, um, uh, and, and I'm very proud of this process. It took me many years to do is I've got a code that I, that I live by. It's a personal code. It's not something that I share. I could share with people how I developed it over time, but um, it's sort of, centers out of the middle which is love you know and then i then i talk about uh consciousness and, and and excellence and then different parts of my life that i want consciousness and excellence to be part to, to to flow out from so um and and that code is really important to me and i assess myself against that code and i think every human should have a code should have something that they you know assess themselves against you know um and, it, and, and I started to develop mine in the early 2000s when I started to do a bit of work with the Japanese rugby union. Uh, and they adopted a, 
a code called Bushido, which is the way of the way of the samurai, uh, the, the 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 senior men's team. And I thought that was really cool. And then I looked at well, what is that code? And then I thought, well, I think everyone should have one. And it's it's deeper than a set of values because it's the it's your values lived. So it's a code that you you assess yourself against. And I think for me, my code lived is really important. And we all should have one. And if you don't have one, spend some time exploring what all the different codes are. You know, like there's so if you're a Christian, the code is the Ten Commandments. Do you know what I mean that's a code? It's a code of ten. These do these things to do, do or don't do these ten things, and your life is okay. And that's the code. You know, so um, you know you look at the elite fighting fighting forces around the world they have a code mm. so and and i really like what you're saying regarding it's more than the set of values so yeah, you find more. like you you may have a set of um do you almost think the code of conduct is behaviors associated with those values yes. maybe yeah 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 and 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 a focus of how you want those codes to be expressed fully expressed through you so right. yeah like so it's, it's like it's a Okay, so how is how is love fully expressed through me, through consciousness in action? How is it done through being present to now? So how's that love expressed through that? So then you'd start to really deep thinking, holy shit, that's there's some depth to that. So it takes time to 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 to, to build one, and uh, um, but there is definitely a process, but that you need to that you should enter into with a view that I want to be able to identify a set of values, but then how are those values expressed and how do I measure them against them? So, um, and then I think there's this, um, this space where we've, we're focused and we've talked about this, we're focused and fully aware. So we're, we're focused on what we want and my journey, but we commit the right effort. So fully aware means I'm not I'm not trapped in anyone else's stuff. You know I don't get caught in the storm outside, outside me. I'm I'm aware of it, but I'm not caught in it. Um, and this is like what we spoke of before: the blinkers yeah. or non-blinkers. Yeah, correct. Focused is I know what I'm after. And then aware means I, I know the context by which I'm going to need to operate to get that in. Um, mm. and, and, and I think just to do one is really foolish. You know, just to be too aware of what's going on around here and not being present into what's right in front of me, but being really present and not being around what's going on outside, that, that it's, you, you, you can't get much done in that way. And if you do, you'll run in, if, if you're really super focused, you'll run into lots of brick walls. Um, and if you're super aware and only focused on the outside, you you won't drag your actions down to what's important to you right now. You'll just have this continual outside. Mm. Um, insight for me is just personal awareness. You know, this journey of growth that we go on, this reflection that we talked about earlier. Um, so so personal awareness, and it leads to the second one, which or the next part, which is intent. So. Insight is, am I doing the reflection and am I looking at me enough? Am I, you know, like, am I doing that, really looking at that? And then there's this intent piece around, am I fully aware of the human I want to become? So, and, and to me, that changes 
you know, probably every four or five years because you get to the point where you go, I think, oh, I've learned some good lessons. What's next? What's, what's, what's the next evolution of the man for me um, and the human that I want to become? So I think vital. And it's all wrapped up around our truth, right? Um, I think we need the ability to see it, see absolute truth. So what are the, what are the laws of the universe that you just can't break? There's some that you, you've got to be able to see it and to accept those. You know, the acceptance of our mortality is, is a really important part to be able to live with less fear. So that's a real truth. And if you can accept some of those absolute truths, then you do better, much better, um, when it comes to accepting some, some of the things or working with fear. And then you know, I, I want to be able to speak mine. So whether it's right or wrong for you, um, we need to be able to have the courage to speak our truth, Rocky, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, in, and in doing so, that truth gets tested and then we can improve it and become better if we've found out to be that that truth is, it doesn't, doesn't sit well with others or doesn't sit well with the universe. So the courage to speak your truth and to be found out, I think is, is, is vital, but then also to listen to others because otherwise that wonderful relationship between my truth and your truth, they never clash. And when your truth and my truth clashes, we, that's when we, if we're big enough as humans, that's actually where we get understanding. So if you speak a truth and I speak and they, and the truth that your two ideas or two views clash, then on the other side of that's understanding. But unless they do so, I don't understand you and you don't understand me. So we need to be able to speak it and be big enough to go, I actually accept yours and then we can learn. So speaking your truth is, in all situations, takes a lot of courage to do because there's so many times we weaken ourselves by telling a lie to ourselves, right? Bloody horrible thing to do. Yeah. I so like that. My, that's my wheel, mate. Mate, I love that. And thanks for sharing that. Um, what I'll do as well, if you're happy with it, I'll include access to that link in the show notes, if you're sure. cool with that. Yeah. So if people wanted to do that, check in on it over this COVID period, you know, mm. give yourself, that was mine that I just shared in the screen. But, yeah. you know, it's just actually really powerful. You know, if you're only doing it maybe once a month or, you know, for me just doing it today, I was like, all right, interesting. There were some areas that weren't as strong and I'm actually just going to stop and meditate on that. Yeah. You know, do I need a, you know, in lamest terms, I'm, you know, I think the, um, it's the blink is on, blink is off, blink is on, blink is off. Am I aware of yeah. my surroundings? Am I focused on what I'm doing? Getting that nice balance between the two. Um, I really do appreciate that. Well, mate, thank you so much for your time. Is there any, um, uh, is there any, I think it's a really nice place to finish. Is there for people to follow you and your work? Whereabouts can people find you? Oh, probably it's just through LinkedIn on my website, right? So Dan, yep. Dan Collins is yep. just dancollins.com. But AU is, yep. is my website. Um, but also through link, through LinkedIn, you'll pick up all my blogs and stuff like that from there. Yep. Um, and so you've got a bit of um, your book. Is it beginning released? Yeah, so it'll be it'll, it'll be next month. It's it's out. It's called Effort. Effort. So effort. Yeah, um, because such an early part of my life was all about putting in that right that right effort. So um, I, I, in the book, it's it's all about how we place, how we do, how we see effort, because um, it's vital to success. Um, and uh, the, the 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 book will run through my learnings about how we place effort where we should. And people can get that book online in your website? Uh, shortly, mate. So it's with, the, it's with editors now. So you, you, it'll be out 
uh, I think the 18th of April is when we said it'll be, and they can get they'll be able to get it online, and I think through Amazon. And just quickly, obviously, just one last thing. I just yeah, can't sure. came to mind. I meant to ask you is like obviously the Olympics has been postponed for for another 12 months at least. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a few athletes tuning in, listening in on this. Um, you know, I'd love to hear some, maybe just some words of wisdom around how these athletes who may have been selected and now they've got to wait 12 months to perform or those ones who are about to prep for trials like the swimmers and water polo players, so the selections yeah. are a lot later. Um, you know, how do you, any just words of wisdom and advice for those guys who have been, you know, for their resilience in this time? Yeah, well, th- there's probably three things, Lockie. The first thing is, um, don't forget the work. You've got to do the work. So if you focus on the work, then the the um, uh, or, or do the or do all the work you can, both mentally well, the, you know, mentally and emotionally, and physically. Um, so 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 that's the first thing. And and to be ready is you know you've got to do the work, uh, and that's irrelevant of everything else that's around, you know, like you can control that, you know, and even when you've got pool closures and things like that, there's still things you can be doing. So focus on doing whatever work you can. Um, The second one is um, for those who are selected competition, the loss of urgency for competition is really going to be an issue. So one of the things that, athletes really need is that fire over and under their asses of competing. So when you're selected and you're a long way out, wow, I'd go after ridiculously high standards. So what's, what standards that are just mile out of reach because you're not, they're not going to compete because they're in a team. There's no, that, that, that three months of build up where you're selected and you're, and then all of a sudden you're on, there's that energy is going to dissipate. Right. So, how do you how do you build momentum around being selected? Is I think you need to set ridiculously high standards for yourself once you get back into the training and the squad. Um, and then, lastly, for those athletes who are outside of and getting ready for competition, nothing really changes. You know, like you you you're still going to go. You're going to go into a selection process. That selection process is going to determine whether you're good enough to be in the team or not. So it's not really just be ready for when. Just know that everyone's in the same boat in as much you don't really know when that's on yet. But when it's on, be ready for it. You know. So, And I know that sounds really condescending and simple, but it, it really is. You've got to make it as simple as possible is that we don't know. If, a lot of the times these sports don't actually know when their date's you know, a lot of their, their, their competition is going to be, but, but when you know, be ready. And everyone's in the same position is that they don't know either. So that's why I drag it back to point one, do the work now and you'll be ready to get started when it starts again. You know, um, I think the, 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 the teams that are, that have already selected, they've got their, they've got a nightmare ahead because how do you, how do you generate intensity without, that spirit of competition that comes knowing that if you miss out that in that intensity, knowing that if you, if you don't quite get this race, right, you could miss out that intensity is you can't replicate that, you know? So uh, it'd be really hard, really hard for those sports that have got an 18 month run in to create the intensity of competition when the Bunsen burner is not under their butt. So mm. but it'll be really interesting. 
Yeah. For sure. Well, mate, thanks for that insight. Thank and you. I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks a lot, Thank Danny Collins. Good on you. There you have it, Dan Collins, a four-time Olympic athlete, two-time medalist. Uh, some great insights there, talking about the athlete's way and mentality for peak performance. Um, exciting times from this podcast and onwards. For the next 12 months, we've actually got a partnership happening with WeWork, where we're going to be interviewing and capturing the stories of uh, Olympic athletes in their journey to Tokyo 2021. It's not 2020, it's 2021. So we've got a whole month, uh, 12 months in content and stories of these athletes and capturing and sharing their stories of resilience. So if you have friends or buddies who'd like to get in the podcast who are aspiring athletes and their story will be worth for our listeners, please drop me a line um, on all the social media uh, channels. Just hit me up. I'd love to have an eye on you. All the best out there. Whatever challenges you're going through right now, it will pass. Um, This resilient mentality uh, is something that this is your time for growth, for reflection, and really hone into the vision of how you want to be in your life in this next phase post-COVID-19. All the very best. Thanks a lot again for listening.